0: Welcome to Sports Bites, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersections of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 19. On this episode, I'm going to break down the top games of college football I previewed in episode 17. I'm going to talk about some of the ramifications of certain games from the weekend. And I'm going to start to talk a little bit about OU Texas, because that's this week. One of the best rivalries, one of the best games, one of the best events in all of sports. OU Texas down at the Cotton Bowl amongst the Texas State Fair. I love it. I love it. But the weekend started off with Utah and Oregon State. And I went into the game really not sold on the Beavers. And I'm not, I'm just I'm not sold on DJ leg I'm not. You know, I I wasn't sold on him at Clemson. I wasn't sold on him when he was cutting you know, on the transfer portal. People talking about, you know, Oklahoma was he going come. I didn't want him I just I'm not sold on him. But I feel Silas Bold and the Rancho Cucamonga Jr. with two touchdowns really helped propel this team and probably what I think is one of the most lackluster touchdown calls. It's a clinching touchdown in the game. But listen to this from the Oregon State-Utah game. This is Silas Bolden's touchdown that secured the win for Oregon State. In a yard, DJ comes under center, and he toss sweeps it with a penalty flag out. Bolden is on his way to the house, it down could, the right sideline to the five and in for it, the touchdown. But there's a flag, and I think it's going to be against the Beavers. I don't know that the Beavers were set. It feels yeah. empty. Offsides is the only hope. No! DJ Uangolulay says we'll decline that penalty. Offside, Offside Utah. Touchdown touchdown Utah. Utah. Touchdown Beavers. Touchdown Beavers. Uh, I liked how his voice kind of ranged up and down. But, you know, Damian Martinez carried the Beavers again. His rushing for 65 yards and a touchdown, you know, between him and that run by Silas Bowling, a, a lot better rushing attack against a Utah defense that I played pretty well. Now for Utah, again, no cam rising. So it was Nate Johnson. And Nate struggled. He was 3-12 to start the game before he was replaced by Bryson Barnes. But he had to come back in the fourth quarter because Barnes got hurt. Now, a bye week, and then it's Cal. So you probably see Cam if it's not too late. Now, if Rising does come back, does it give you know Utah hope for a Pac-12 title game in Vegas? I mean, they still have USC, who they beat twice last year, Oregon, Washington. And at the end of the season, they play against Coach Prime and his Colorado Buffaloes. So who knows where they're going to be at? For Oregon State, they have an easier road. They've got Washington and Oregon to close out their season. Oregon, of course, that Civil War, the rivalry game. But to start November, they've got that same Coach Prime-led Buffaloes team. Who knows? I'm still not buying Oregon State. They find ways to win. Utah needs Cam Rising to lead and be ready to finish this tough stretch. Injuries are piling up. Barnes was admitted to a hospital in Corvallis, but was released and cleared to fly home with the team. Next for Utah is a bye week. And then they take on Cal on the 14th of October. For Oregon State, they play Cal this weekend. So we'll see. I, I thought they played defense in the SEC. That's just my, you know, I heard everyone, you know, everything in the SEC is all about we play defense. I guess somebody forgot to tell number 13 LSU and number 20 Ole Miss. Teams combined for 104 points, 1,343 yards of total offense in the 55-49 to 49 victory for Ole Miss. You know, and after not really showing up for against Alabama, the Rebels came out firing. They were they were hitting on all cylinders. 21 points in the first quarter. Now LSU and Jaden Daniels, they come back, 21 points of their own in the second. They go into half. Ole Miss up 31-28. Jackson Dart was on. 26 of 39, 389 yards, four touchdowns for the Ole Miss quarterback. And this was the game I had been talking about Quinshawn Judkins, SEC all freshman, freshman of the year last year. He carried the ball 33 times for 177 yards and a touchdown, plus that two point conversion late in the game and a receiving touchdown. Now, Trey Harris, he was the man for Ole Miss. He just caught everything. Eight catches, 153 yards, one touchdown. Jordan Watkins had five catches for 103 yards and a touchdown as well. Now, don't don't get it twisted. LSU had some really good performers as well on the offensive side. Like I mentioned, Jaden Daniels, 414 yards through the air with four touchdowns. Logan Diggs, 101 yards on the ground. Brian Thomas Jr. had. Three receiving touchdowns. He and Malik Neighbors both had over 100 yards receiving. Jane Daniels played well. You know, now he had the only game's turnover. He got rocked, but he played well. And a crazy ending happened. I mean, it was, it was just, it was one of those nighttime games in the SEC. It's just crazy. Old Miss trailing 49 47, but they found a way to get it done. Clock down and potentially kick a field goal to win. It. Oh, now LSU. They'll probably be thinking about using their timeouts. Harris makes a man. Miss. Painter, touchdown. That was Trey Harris scoring the touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown, which would be the winning touchdown for Ole Miss. And it was a simple little screenplay. He puts a move on. Next thing you know, he's in the end zone. Got to go block from the lead receiver. Ole Miss is up. But it wasn't over there. LSU fought back. They got down. In scoring position and had one more shot. Five seconds left. Game on the line. There it is. Daniels under pressure, buying time, looking in zone. He's gonna fire one into traffic. complete. incomplete. To the intended receiver. And Ole Miss celebrates an amazing win. Ole Miss. They start rushing the field. Finding out again, they've been fined hundred thousand dollars for rushing the field. And you know, I'm. I don't get the rushing the field. Now, I I remember, you know, the 2000 Oklahoma-Nebraska game. Of course, Oklahoma had been down for so long and to beat Nebraska, they kind of were back. But, like, now it's, I I don't know. I just don't get it. You know, then you see the video clips of the security guard forearm shivering, a girl from Ole Miss to the ground. It's just, it's, it's, it's getting out of hand. Players are now getting hit. You saw a video of an Ole Miss player. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss fan running by an LSU player, and the player kind of pushing him. And he said, students don't belong on the field. I'm sorry. I just I believe they don't belong on the field. But Jackson Dart again, transferring from USC. An amazing game. And when he was asked in his post game press conference, "Have you ever been a part of a game like that? Have you ever played in a game quite like this?" Hell no. That was awesome. <laughs> Hell no, that was all. And I love the little southern inflection. Hell no. But Jackson Dart looked good. Now the SEC West up in the air, man. It's up in the air. Now Alabama hasn't lost yet in the SEC. They've lost to Texas, but they've not lost in the SEC. So Alabama kind of controls their own uh, destiny right now. Alabama beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat LSU. They're they're going to have to play LSU, and Alabama are going to have to play. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. But, man, I, it was an entertaining game, but almost 1,400 yards of offense. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Next for Dart and the, and the Rebels, they take on Arkansas, probably one of the more disappointing teams on the year. And for the Tigers, a tough road game. They go on the road to Missouri. They take on a 5-0 no Missouri team led by Brady Cook, who's playing extremely well at the quarterback position. Turnover free football. You keep the ball out of the other team's hands. You don't turn it over. Quick change strikes like that you're going to win a lot of football games. Brady Cook doing a good job for Missouri. I'm not a big fan of Eli Drinkwitz. I don't like him. What I I just I'm not a big fan of him. Um, I don't know who I'd want to win. I probably Missouri sure just because it's LSU. I I don't know. That that makes three losses for LSU, but any time that Missouri can kind of be brought back down to reality, well, you know, will always do me some good to see that. The number 11 Notre Dame Fighting Irish were on the road in Durham, taking on the number 17 Duke Blue Devils. And once again, the game came down to the final moments. You know, I'm sitting there watching the game. It's late in the fourth quarter. Duke takes the lead on this Riley Leonard touchdown. Try to pay it off. Leonard has a man wide open. It's a touchdown to Jordan Moore. Touchdown to Jordan Moore. They take a 14 to 13 lead. You know, and Duke was able to hold Notre Dame. They get the ball back with a chance to kind of run out the clock. Couldn't really do as much as they wanted to. They're forced to punt it. Now it was kind of a quick kick by Riley Leonard, all the way down to the five. So it sets up Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, you're you're ninety-five yards away. Heartbreak last week against Ohio State, losing in the final seconds. Notre Dame, you know, they're moving down the field. Duke's still getting pressure on. Them. They're making, you know, Sam uncomfortable in the pocket. He's rolling around. Notre Dame was down to a 4th and 16. A 4th and 16. The game's over. But the Duke defense had all the receivers locked up. Nobody opened. But nobody was shadowing the quarterback. Next thing you know, Sam Hartman leaks out to the right, tucks the ball. 17 yards, extends the drive. Clutch. Gutty. Sam Hartman. Two plays later, it was Audric Estime. A 17-yard run on fourth and sixteen. Estime is loose. Audric Estime touchdown Notre Dame. Audric Estime is a good back man. He led the team with 81 yards rushing on the day. Sam Hartman played turnover-free ball. Riley uh, Leonard threw his first turnover, uh, threw his first interception. He got hurt on the final play. Had his ankle kind of rolled up on. Find out it's a high ankle sprain. It's good to have a bye. So um, give him some time to kind of heal up. But Leonard threw for 134 yards and a touchdown. Also led the team with rushing 88 yards. They got to get more on the ground game. Stop putting everything so much just on him. But, you know, I'm a fan of Sam Hartman. You know, I love the class that he shows. When they played North Carolina State early in the year, he was walking over to the Notre Dame section and... The North Carolina State band and the players were there. Everyone playing the alma mater, singing their song, and Sam Hartman calmly waited for them to finish. And then he goes over and riles up the Notre Dame crowd, celebrates the victory. Well, after the game, Holly Rowe comes up and interviews Sam Hartman, talks to him about the game, clutch. You know, he talks about Coach Freeman, but you can see he's kind of looking and he's not really paying attention. And I'm like, what's what's, what's he doing? But Sam was more concerned about his counterpart, Riley Leonard. Tell me a little bit about this psyche of the team. Last week, the game went down to the final play. Today, again, final moments. How did your team flip it around? Oh, I mean, it's just perseverance. Coach Free preached all week, right? It's it's not that, you know, at the end of the day, winning and losing is everything. But again, it, it makes you feel a lot better to get it done in the last moments. But, um, you know, right now, honestly, I'm thinking about Riley. I mean, that kid's a hell of a player. He went down. Um, I really want to go check in on him. So I'm probably going to go, do, go that. do that. Thank uh, you. Talk- and if you saw the clip, that's exactly what Sam Hartman did. He was standing outside, you know, all the all the big teams now, I've seen it in high school as well. They've got the injury tent, so people can't see what they're doing working on these players. But Sam Hartman went out there and stood on the Duke sideline outside the injury tent, waiting for Riley Leonard to come out, you know, to to kind of talk to him, make sure everything's okay. But again, just a class act movement, you know, I joke with my wife, so you know, he's got the long hair and the beard. You know, he looks like he should be a backup singer in Alabama some, or something, you know, singing a ooh, bop, a Mau Mau. But Sam Hartman, good quarterback, good leader. And uh, he's looking, uh, he'll be a guy on a Sunday team somewhere. He'll be there. Next up for Duke, a week off before playing North Carolina State. Notre Dame right back into the blender, though. They got a matchup against number 25 Louisville. And after this win against Duke, that's 30 straight regular season games against ACC foes that Notre Dame has won. Again, regular season, because we all know that Duke is not part of a conference. But 30 straight games. We'll see if they get tested again. Another, I mean, Ohio State, Duke, North Carolina. Man, that's a that's a tough little stretch right there. But, yeah, we talked about heading into this weekend. It's Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River rivalry, state fairgrounds, the Cotton Bowl. I was hoping going into last weekend, Texas played Kansas. Number three, Texas. Number 24, Kansas. The game's getting ready to start. I'm, I'm switching around. All of a sudden, I see the news that Jalen Daniels would be sitting out. So I already start losing interest you know, due to tightness in his back. Now, there's reports and rumors out there that he hurt his back filming a serial commercial for an NIL deal. I don't know the validity behind it. It's pure speculation. But Jason Bean gets to start. The game, you know, is closer at half. And Kansas has been kind of a thorn in the side of Texas for the last couple of years. But it was closer a half than a lot of Texas fans probably would have liked to have seen. It was 13-7 7.5. half. But again, Texas, once again, explodes in the second half. They seem to be a second-half team. 27 points over the final two quarters. You know, you think about the Alabama game. Blew up. I think they scored 21 points in the second half. Wyoming, they blew up. You know, it was close. They scored in the second half. And here you go in this game, again, another 27 points. McQueen Ewers. Throws his first pick of the season, still 325 yards and a touchdown to A.D. Mitchell. The breakout, though, whew, Jonathan Brooks, 21 carries, 218 yards, two touchdowns. And it reminded me, because he was playing Kansas, of that cold, rainy day in Norman, sitting in the press box watching Samaj P. Ryan break the NCAA single-game rushing record against Kansas. I mean, he, Brooks could have run for hundreds of them. I mean, he could have gone... All day. The defense bottled up the Jayhawks, really limiting them only to 260 yards and on two big chunk plays. The two scores came on big plays. Bean took off one and he was running the option that had some success. And, and Bean's got some speed, okay? He's a good athlete, not a great quarterback. He's a good athlete. And the option had some success against Texas. And it looked like in this play, he was trying to do the old Darian Hagan, JJ Flanagan play from Colorado as he was getting hit. Because he, he's running down, and Daniel Highshaw is keeping that pitch integrity with him. And I'm sure they're going to say it was meant to, but it looked like he fumbled. Highshaw picks it up, goes in for 18 yards. The other came in the third quarter uh, when Bean hit Trevor Wilson for a 58-yard touchdown. After the Wilson touchdown, Texas drives down the field, and Jonathan Brooks scores his second rushing touchdown to make it a two-score game. Now a catch against Wyoming. Leading away for Brooks, huge hole. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Texas. That was an easy one. That offensive line is playing extremely well right now. Texas would score two more times to hit that final score. Now, Texas has done their part. You know, they did their part to ensure that the Red River rivalry between two undefeated teams would take place. Possibly setting up game day. We found out it is. It's game day. Game day is going to be there. Texas and Oklahoma square off. Kansas takes on Big 12 newcomer UCF. Now, the other side of that undefeated matchup, down in Texas, of course, had to be the Sooners. The number 14 Sooners welcomed Matt Campbell and his Iowa State Cyclones to Norman. The Sooners were wanting to make sure they headed to the Cotton Bowl undefeated, and they started the game off with a bang. He's in the slot, rolling right back to throw on third and nine, still looking. Now he tosses deep downfield. Intercepted! Billy Bowman! He's on the run. First side to the 30. He's got a convoy to the 20, to the 10. Pick six. That's my boy Toby Rowland on the call. Billy Bowman on the third play of the game with a pick six for the Sooners defense that now has eight interceptions in the last three games. Now, was the defense spectacular in this game? No. Did they have some busts? Yes. But what I have not seen in decades in Norman were adjustments and they made adjustments and shut Iowa State down. Now, after the Cyclones kicked a field goal to make it 21-20 with 9.06 left to go before half, from that point on, they really didn't get anything else. Now, of course, next week, this weekend, it's a much bigger challenge. Still fresh, the thought of a 49-0 beatdown. Dilly Gabriel, another really good day, throwing for 366 yards, three touchdowns, two rushing TDs, Nick Anderson. He's now become like Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. Got to love what I see from him. The ground game, Marcus Major, you know, he led the way with 19 carries. I saw, you know, it was good to see Gavin Sawchuck get some carries. I just don't think the Sooner O-line is getting much of a push in the run game. Now, they seem to be doing a lot better pass blocking, but they're not just like road grade. On the other side, I think Texas is doing that pretty well. Now, I'm going to break that down a lot on the Thursday episode when we get into it. But next up, they got to play a nasty defense and an explosive offense. In a team that I think is looking to lay claim to the number one team in the country, because if Texas goes ahead and beats Oklahoma, and I hate saying it, it's like acid in the mouth, but if Oklahoma loses, Texas beats him. What team has two better wins than Texas on the road at Alabama? They were a top five team, and then a top fifteen victory in a major rivalry game that you know everyone is planning for revenge against Oklahoma. That's huge. That's huge. I think they should, especially the way Georgia has been playing lately. Man, I, I, I'd hate to say it, but I think they would be the number one team in the country. If I had a vote, that's who I would vote for. It, it's one of the best environments in all of college sports. You know, I, I've told people that I've thought about, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, the split, the backdrop of the fair, the bus ride in, the the, the single bird salutes. Yeah. You know, I've got Jordan Evans, former Oklahoma Sooner linebacker coming on. We're going to post that up later this week. We get his thoughts on what it's like to roll into the Cotton Bowl. We get Sean Clinch back on from stories from inside the man cave from the for the Texas perspective, you know. I'll, I'll play some clips later my top 5 moments in this historic rivalry. And some of them are going to be from Texas. I mean, there's been some great plays on both sides. You know, in, in this type of rivalry, there's going to be plays that are made And both schools have made plays. But it is one of the truest, most spectacular events in all of college sports. I absolutely love it. But we'll get into more of that throughout the week. Other games of interest, Georgia. You know, I mentioned them not playing. Well, Georgia should have lost to Auburn. And they escaped with a 27-20 victory in the oldest rivalry game in the South. Brock Bowers is Georgia right now. That's what they have. I mean, Carson Beck is not terrible. But, you know, Lad McConkey and and Brock Bowers is pretty much all they have. And Brock Bowers, two back-to-back one-headed grabs on that last drive to basically win it for him. And Peyton Thorne's not the guy for Auburn. I'm sorry. You know, they they've got a guy coming in from Arkansas that is going to be really, really good. Walker White. You know, if Auburn had Walker White right now, would they be different? But what's crazy is Peyton Thorne led the team in rushing. And, you know, I bring up Al- Alabama. Where where did the wide receivers and the quarterbacks go there. But at Auburn, where do the running backs go? Tank Bigsby, I mean, you've got great running backs, a history of great running backs at Auburn. Where's the next great running back? I don't know. USC showed they may have an offense to win the championship, but they still lack a defense. They jumped out big on Coach Prime in Colorado. Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams. He throws for six touchdowns. Colorado missing their two best defenders in Shiloh Sanders and Travis Hunter. Now, no, I don't think that would have changed the outcome of the game. But like many OU fans saw over the last few years, a weak Alex Grinch defense led a team back into the game. It was 34-14 at halftime. And USC was, I mean, you're like, oh, here's another Oregon butt whooping. Colorado fights back, coming to within a play of tying the game up. The offensive play calling, though, in the fourth quarter, especially that last drive, was really confusing for me. I didn't understand some of the play calling. Running some, like, pretty much some draws up the middle. Time just being run off. I just, I didn't get it. But again, watching it, when Coach Prime and Buffalo and the Colorado Buffaloes are able to get some offensive and defensive linemen, watch out. They could be dangerous. But another young freshman for Colorado emerges. Omarion Miller blows up in the second half. Seven catches, 196 yards, and a touchdown. Whew. Now I think USC is going to get beat, maybe more than once. They, t- they still have to play Notre Dame, Oregon, and Washington. It'll be tough. So talking about my picks last weekend so far on the year, I'm 18 and 13. My results, the L's I took, I took Utah plus three over Oregon State. That didn't happen. LSU minus two and a half over Ole Miss. That didn't happen. Duke plus six over Notre Dame. That didn't happen. Now the over in the Oklahoma-Iowa State game was 48 and a half. I said Oklahoma would probably cover that on their own, and they sure did. They scored 50. Winner there. Texas minus 16.5 over Kansas. That covers. And then my upset special came in, and they won outright. West Virginia was a 12.5-point underdog over TCU. And they come out, and they actually win the game. I love it. I love when a plan comes together. You know, that's just a, the old eighteen team model. I love when a plan comes together. But that was my picks. We'll have some more on Thursday. But what I want to get to again is is talking about this game. The Red River Rivalry. Oklahoma and Texas at the Texas State Fairground. What's one of the best things that I used to love going to the game? State Fair foods, guys. There's always something crazy at the Texas State Fair. There's always some crazy foods. Now, you got your classics, your popcorn, your Fletcher's Corny Dogs, your Wax cut beers. You, You love all that. But if I was there, I'd probably feel like Timber. A fair is a veritable schmarkers board, arcus board, arcus board. After the gates are shut. Oh yeah, that's right. It's time for a little flavor in your ear, Texas State Fair edition. If you like bow buns? They've got bow buns. A trio of meat lover paradise. One with fried chicken, another pork belly burnt ends, another with chopped brisket. A bloomin' onion. A bougie grilled cheese. This is America's favorite sandwich taken to an elevated level for a sophisticated taste bud. The gourmet grilled cheese filled with fresh arugula, that nice little peppery taste. Thinly sliced. Green apple. Scratch made cranberry mayo. All between ooey gooey, brie and Havarti. This next thing, I saw it and instantly started to get hungry. It's called the butcher's block. All the meats, that's right, the butcher's block. You start off with three cheese macaroni and cheese. Then you pile on 15 hour smoked brisket, crispy fried chicken, candied bacon bits, jalapeno peppers, and a piece of sausage for garnish. You gotta love a dish that uses sausage as a garnish. Then you drizzle a brown sugar chipotle sauce, a little bit of sweetness and a tad bit of spice. The ultimate carnivore bowl is what they're calling it. That just sounds amazing. Sausage as a garnish. Oh, chicharron loaded nachos. I'm in. Cornbread sausage bomb. Pecan smoked Texas sausage slices are topped with a heaping portion of pimento cheese a slice of jalapeno dipped in fluffy cornbread batter fried golden brown and served with jalapeno ranch give me a lot of them give me like three orders now this thing the cotton candy rita this is why oklahoma texas will never be at night because people would drink too many of these and somebody would die a cotton candy flavored margarita with a glob of cotton candy through the straw Now you're appealing to me with a little bit of Creole Etouffee Beignets. A really good etouffee, really good beignets. Deep-fried Beria Bombs. Okay. Deep-fried Candy Pecan Bacon Bread Pudding. (laughs) Texas Deep-fried Oatmeal Cream Pie. Deep-fried Surf and Turf Empanada. That's got lobster, a little bit of crab, some heavy cream, some chorizo, cilantro, paprika. I'm, I'm all about that. Like, I would spend so many of these coupons that you have to use. So many. Just to eat everything there. They have a fried cacho a pepe. And I love cacho a pepe. I've made it at home once, but fresh pasta with a rich cacio a pepe sauce made with authentic pecorino romano ground black pepper deep fried to a crispy perfection man now this is another one that could get people in trouble the fireball shot the fried fireball shot here's the description the fluffy airy melt in your mouth sweetness of angel food cake meets the red hot and fiery cinnamon flavor of fireball cinnamon malt liquor after deep frying to a perfect golden brown fireball cinnamon is poured over the top into a shot glass You no longer have to choose between the angel or the devil. Shoot back the fried fireball shot. Okay. Fried Monte Cristo. This time it's got brisket instead of the ham. Fried Texas barbecue shotgun shells. It's basically a meat and cheese stuffed uh, pasta shell. Fried. The one big no, no, no. The Fruity Pebble Pickle. It's a huge pickle on a stick rolled in Fruity Pebbles. No, thank you. I'm out. No, thank you. Pineapple Dole soft serve, so it's like the Dole Whip at at Disney. Love those. Raspberry Chipotle jalapeno popper grilled cheese. I'd have one. They got a strawberry cream sando. Juicy strawberries and bananas in a velvety Chantilly cream nestled between clouds of pillowy Japanese milk bread. Okay, a little walk-in dessert. Strawberry shortcake sopapillas, and then, of course, the taki craze: taki ramen tostada, a ramen noodle cake, flash-fried, smothered with homemade scratch-savory taco meat, topped with crispy Asian sesame seed slaw, and a drizzle of garlic-lime aioli. Finally, Mexican queso blanco and crumbled takis are sprinkled on top to complete this Mexican-Asian fusion dish. I'd try one. There's a lot. I mean, there's some good stuff. Now, the favorite, you know, you can't go wrong with the Fletcher's Corner Dog, some mustard. Man, give me the fried cacho a pepe. Fried surf and turf empanada. Creole etouffee beignets. The cornbread sausage bombs. The butcher's block. The bougie grilled cheese. I'm in. I'm in. I would eat every single bit of it. That's one of the reasons I like the Texas State Fair. It's one of the reasons I love covering the game. It's not just about the game. It's about everything that goes along with it. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, because it's not just about sports. It's about the food that goes along with it. Make the memories even better. The Texas State Fair food has always made the memories better for me. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to say thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.